you've heard it said, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. With that in mind, join us for an insider's glimpse into all things trekking, safaris, and world adventure. From packing for your Everest base camp trek, to what it felt like for a cancer patient to attempt to summit Kilimanjaro, or visiting a village in the sacred valley of Peru, you will be inspired, informed, and ignited to get out there and start adventuring. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Type 2 Fun Podcast. My name is Mariah, and today we are going to be talking about all things Everest Base Camp with my friend Eric. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hey, Mariah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good, good, good. So before we dive into EBC, why don't you tell me a little bit about who you are in the real world and how you got hooked up with trekking? Um, well, in the real world, I am a brewer. Um, I used to work in the arts for a long time and I put that aside after 20 or 20 or 25 years of that and went to brewing school and opened the brewery. So that's what I do now. Um, how I got into trekking is um, I grew up in Portland, Oregon. Um, and so like, I guess a lot of people in Oregon, like the outdoors was part of my everyday life growing up. So we did a lot of hiking and climbing and things like that. And, um, it's like a rite of passage there. Right? Yeah, like you I, have no choice but to that. Like even, and you know, and that's even growing up in Portland, which is the city and like people who grew up outside the city, of course do it. Um, but, um, when I turned, I, just, I guess I was just after 30, I did the whole like, um, around the world backpacker thing. So equipment oh, nice. traveled around the world and I did a lot of trekking on that trip. And that was like, kind of, that was the first time I'd done sort of international, um, hiking, you know, so one of the mm-hmm. I went to on that trip was Nepal. And I think like a lot of people, if not most people who go to Nepal, it like instantly became my favorite country. Mm-hmm. And so after that trip, I started going back there a lot, um, and doing other trips, um, or other hikes in that country. And then I eventually, um, met up with Donovan, who's one of the co-owners of Embark. Um, so we were in the same uh, mountaineering club in Portland. And I went to um, Kilimanjaro with Embark. And then we just kind of became um, friends. And because I'd sort of done this stuff before and I'd done the travel, the sort of adventure travel thing before, I just kind of kind of fell into being one of Embark's um, people that goes along on trek. So I've gone back to, I've been lucky enough to go back to um, Nepal a bunch of times with Embark and Kilimanjaro a couple of times and we went to Jordan once and so it's been sort of a great little side job for me. So I know we're here to talk about Everest but is Everest your favorite out of let's say those two Killy and EBC? Oh that's a hard choice I guess that's sort of like choosing between your favorite kids. Uh, <laughs> I think it is it's, it's, I think it's my favorite. I mean, I just love Nepal. I mean, I love just like the people and the culture and just the scenery. And one of the things I think that really sets, and I'm not here to like say you shouldn't climb Kilimanjaro because that's fantastic too. Um, but and when you, when you climb Kilimanjaro, you're, you're in the, you're sleeping in tents every night and you're mm-hmm. out hiking in the wilderness. But the thing that's so awesome when I think about um, Everest Base Camp is you're, people actually live up there and the, the trails that you're walking on are the same trails that people um, use to travel between villages. And so you're actually seeing 
the culture as you're also seeing the scenery. And that's the same if you go do like Annapurna circuit or something like that as well. That's right. So I think that's what really sets Nepal apart. And I also, it's like, I also like to tell people that like you get, you know, Everest base camp and Kilimanjaro top out at real, roughly the same elevation. I mean, Everest base camp, you get up to like 18,000 feet and change and Kilimanjaro, you're a little over 19, but you get up to the top of Kilimanjaro and you're like on the roof of Africa and you can look down and you see, you know, the Serengeti and everything like sp- spreading out in front of you, which is fantastic. And then you go to Nepal and you're like roughly the same elevation and you're in a valley. You look up right. at 10,000 feet of mountains <laughs> above you. Like that's just like awe-inspiring. It is definitely two different feelings. I did Kilimanjaro first and I will say that I I assumed which is stupid of me, but I assumed that EBC would be the same. I'm like, oh, we're going to be on this like really remote trail. The only people we're going to see are trekkers. And just like, you know, just like you just said, no, we're like one day we saw kids going to school. Right, and yeah. we got, like I started like skipping beside these kids in their uniform going to school. And I was like, this is really, really awesome. It definitely is like that community vibe for sure. And you really get to interact with the people too, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And how many times I've just like had conversations with these random people on the, on the side of the trail, like, you know, other trekkers for sure, but also um, Nepalis, like they want to just come and speak English with you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Good. So, yes. They're definitely, to me, you have to do both. So we're not shaming Kilimanjaro at all. It is completely its own experience and amazing. But yeah, people um, always ask, which one should you do? And it's like, yeah, I do both of them. You do both. And then yeah, you decide. Because no. like if you decide that Kilimanjaro is your favorite, that's not a wrong answer either. It's just, you know. No, I agree. Um I definitely think though, if you know, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have done EBC first. Because or well, well, I will say this. To me, Kilimanjaro is more difficult. Um, but, but EBC too is, it's like the lap of luxury. You're in tea huts and, you know, you have waiters and waitresses bringing you food every night. Like it's, it is to me that you have showers up until, (laughs) uh, you know, Namche and it's like the lap of luxury compared to, uh, you know, like you said, sleep in tents, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And that's a, that's a question that we get a lot is like, which one is harder Mm-hmm. And sort of, it's not the easiest question in the world to answer, but I agree with you. I mean, ultimately I get to the same answer that you did. Cause I, I think that the trekking on EBC, I think is actually a little harder because you get a lot more like up and down and up and Nepali flat. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Kilimanjaro is like, until you get to that last night where you right. summit night, it's relatively gentle, I guess for the most That's part. That's accurate. Um, and so if you're just looking at it, in terms of like the terrain, I would say, oh, EBC is a little harder. But I mean, people, I guess it's it's hard to um, you don't know the the effect of like what it feels like just to sleep in a bed at night, you know? right? Like how much of a difference <laughs> that makes. Yes, yes. So like it, it, to me, EBC eases you into it more. Um, but you're you're right about the terrain. The the Nepali flat, as they call it, eventually it, like if you were to flatten the elevations of your day, it's kind of flat and gradual, but it definitely is up and down and up and down. Uh, and up and there's down. one of guys, one of um, our Embark Guides, Karma, who always like, you, you ask him, and he's like, awesome dude. And the, you always ask him every morning, like, what's it going to be like today, Karma? And he's like, let's get, we're going to go down the river, then up to mountain, then down the river, and up to mountain. <laughs> it's like, you just do that over and over again. Right. 
definitely different two climates because I know we're not here to compare, but in Kilimanjaro, you get to see like, what is it, like five different kinds of terrain and, and you know, you really get to like the Arctic desert, you know, but you start off in the jungle and it's just, that's pretty cool too. So, yep. yep. Doing both. Anyways, we need to focus. Yes, you have to do both, but let's focus on EBC. So I want to, I want to hear about, since you've gone so many times, I kind of want to know what to expect. Um, so can you, can we just start off with, you know, my first couple of days there, what we can break it up into first couple of days. And then uh, I know you had mentioned you wanted to say, you know, things that you wouldn't find in any guides if you read or whatever, you know, like you left a note underneath a rock (laughs) on day two, go read it. (laughs) No. So tell us, uh, tell us about the first couple of days. Cause obviously we, um, we have to fly into Lukla and all that stuff. So why don't we talk about the first couple of days? So the, that first day, you're going to get up at, before dawn, uh, what, like usually up out of bed like at four or something like that, because ostensibly your your plane trip from Kathmandu um, up to um, Lukla is supposed to leave like at seven in the morning. Like I think maybe once I've ever we've ever been on the plane <laughs> that left at seven in the morning because that airport is like highly dependent on visibility. So they have to wait for the, you know, that morning fog to burn off. Mm-hmm. And usually you're sitting around in the airport waiting to go and everyone's getting super antsy. Um, and you, you know, usually get out I don't know, by noon sometimes, um, sometimes later. Um, and so um, it's, it's one of those things like at first it's like you, you get so jacked up because you're, you've been thinking about this and planning about this trip for months. And, mm-hmm. and then you just spend that first whole, like almost that entire day at an airport. Um, it's like what the army hurry up and wait. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, you, uh, so you have to, you fly up to Lucla. I mean, I think everybody's like gone online and watched, um, don't do it. Videos about that. Don't it, do it. It's not nearly as bad as people say it's it. It's not I think. at all. I don't think it's bad at all. It's the the only unnerving part about it for me, and it's not even that unnerving. It's just like weird. Is like you're in this little tiny plane, and um, usually the door to the cockpit is open, so you can see out the front of the plane. Mm-hmm. And you look out the front, and because when you are coming into Lukla, you're flying down this valley mm-hmm. um, below the level of the mountains, and so like you look out to one side and you see mountain. You look out to the right side, you know, the other side and you see mountain. You look out the cockpit, you see mountain. So there's no sky. That's like slightly unnerving, I guess. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like there in front of you, and you know, before you know it, you land, and you know, it's fine. I've, I mean, I've I've landed at the airport multiple times. Um, yeah, so that didn't stress me out, but probably because uh, you tend to fly in a King Air or an Otter, and I'm a skydiver, and I'm in those all the time, and there's you know nothing in there. So I was the one telling everybody, I'm like, you're fine. This is nothing. Okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's that's not bad at all. And, and taking off from the airport's even easier, I think. That just to me, that just feels like a normal takeoff. Right. Um, yes, yeah, so you get there. So at that point, you've gone. Um, you know, um, Kathmandu is roughly around 3000 feet elevation. I think, um, locally you're coming into about 9,000 feet. So you feel the altitude a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but everyone's like all excited to be there finally. And you hit the trail and that, that first day is really easy. Um, it's only a couple hours hiking and you're going downhill because as most people know, I think they've read about 
altitude, the best way to acclimatize is always to sleep at a lower elevation than your highest point in the day. Mm-hmm. So you, you spend the day, um, hiking downhill for the most part, but again, it's Nepali flat. So there's some uphill in there as well. Um, but you definitely th- lulls you into a false sense of what the trip's going to be like though. Yeah. And, and like, and you're at the lowest part of the Kumbu there. So it's like, um, it's the most populated part also. So you're seeing, mm-hmm. that's where you're seeing those kids who are going to school and you're seeing lots of monks and just, um, lots of people like transporting things up to the higher, um, camps and things like that. Um, and so you end up at about 8,000 feet in a village called Pakting and, um, and it's, you know, it's just like, it's a great, um, way to ease your way into that. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one of the first things I'll tell you about things that people don't tell you, make sure, I mean, it's, it seems like it should be common knowledge, but there's always, there's always somebody almost every trip that doesn't do this is, um, 99% of the time your when you fly from Kathmandu up to Lukla, your luggage arrives at the same time as you do occasionally it doesn't um mm-hmm. you always get it by the end of the first day um but uh, make sure your carry-on is your um your day pack with everything you need for the day like i mean i can't tell you how many times i've made um makeshift uh brain gear out of garbage bags for people because they left their um their Gore-Tex jacket in their their duffel bag and it, it didn't arrive at the same time as they did in mm. the brain that first day so that's a good pro tip yeah, to make sure you've got everything. The only thing you can't take with you is your um, your trekking poles because those will have to go in your checked bag. But you can survive a day without your trekking poles, especially on that first day when you're kind of going downhill. For sure. Yeah, so that's um, that's kind of the first day. Um, the second day is when it, it gets harder because mm-hmm. um, then you're going from Vakting up to Namche Bazaar, which is sort of it's the kind of the capital of the Sherpa region up there. And that's at about 11,000 feet. So you're at that point, you're gaining about 3000 feet that day. And it, um, that, tr- that day ends with just like, it seems like an entire afternoon of just like monster switchbacks back and mm-hmm. forth. Right. Um, that's where you go over those, um, those, um, suspension bridges that everybody sees in the pictures. Oh yeah. Um, and you're just, I mean, you're, but they're not that bad. You just don't look down. Yeah, so switch. Yeah, they're great. They're, I mean, they're. I mean, people don't. Those those um, um, trails are full of um, donkeys and zoe, which are like um, a, a cross between a yak and a, and a water buffalo, and that's what people use. That's what they use to like carry a lot of provisions and things up there. And so the suspension bridges have to be made to withstand the weight of like a whole, um, you know, train of of yaks and. Um, and so, you know, there's steel cables and there's steel slats, so they're fine. Um, yeah. No, I, n- I never once felt not safe on those for sure. Especially, like you said, you see like six yaks go by and you're like, well, for sure I weigh less than those things. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, if you're afraid of heights, what you do is you just like get a buddy, put your hand on that person, the back of that person's pack and just hold on and just look at their pack the entire way across. It's all good. I just held my camera up like a wrist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get to sure. get over a couple of those, and then you end up in in Namche, which is like you know, in some ways, almost like the most fun part of the whole trek because it's like a it's like a little bustling village. And you've got. I mean, my pro tip about Namche is make sure you get chocolate carrot cake. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I think I think that's a pr- kind of a pro tip about life, isn't it? <laughs> For sure. Yeah, you can get espresso there. I mean, there's a there's a North Face store there. Um, yeah. And um, there are great bars there too. Another pro tip: don't don't drink alcohol until you're on your way back down because drinking on your way up is not a good idea because it doesn't help you acclimatize. But when you're coming back down, it's a great place to have a couple of drinks. Uh, so when I went, there was this group of Aussie men who decided a month before that they were going to do this trek. And uh, they literally drank their way up the entire mountain and they kept beating us. And they made and it away. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. But I'm not saying like just one or two drinks. I mean, they drank <laughs> their way up the mountain. And I was like, I don't know how you guys do it. But they kept beating us. I was like, maybe it's like the secret. But I'm just you're affirming it is not with the, the, the exception, not the rule. Diamox chaser with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we leave Namche and then where we go? Well, first you're going to spend at least, at least two nights in Namche, probably sometimes three just to help you acclimatize. Mm-hmm. Um, Namche next stop is you're going to Tengboche, which is um, a, monastery. a monastery. At, oh, I don't have my, my map in front of me was it's like 13,000 feet, something like sure. that. Sure. So yeah, we'll I'll just say 13. Sure. Um, and that's, um, that's not such a bad day. You're, you're on a big wide um, flat trail for most mm-hmm. of it, but then you go down to the river and then you hike a, up a steep trail to Nam to um, Tengboche where the monastery is. And that's actually, as just as an aside, that's another thing that people, I think, don't realize about this trek is like, I mean, like I was saying, like this, these are trails that people use to travel on every Mm -hmm. single day. So really until you get up fairly high, they're pretty wide and they're pretty like, you know, well packed, you know? Um, Yeah. On the way to Tangboche is huge. Like this guy, like basically we're, someone told us the story about how he basically built a highway carved up the mountain and it's like flat and, beautiful and until the end of that part but yeah no it was like again the lap of luxury you know compared to Gilly. <laughs> it's really not until you're getting up on the um the kumbu glacier up mm-hmm. base camp before the the terrain really gets kind of rocky i mean like honestly i think that um if it weren't for the prospect of like having to you know, be prepared for the weather and, and, and the possibility of snow. I think you could almost just do this trek in running shoes if you wanted to. I mean, if you had, you know, if you had strong enough ankles. Um, I do not. So but, we'll, we'll stick to the <laughs> But I wouldn't do that because, like, I wouldn't want to be stuck up there wearing running shoes and then, you know, you get a bunch of snow. So, um, um, so it's actually the hiking is – it's not – it's not super, I mean, it's the altitude that makes it the most challenging, you know, mm-hmm. um, the steepness of the trail at times. Um, so, but the, I think it's not something that people should be afraid of. I think. Do you have a pro tip for altitude? For dealing with altitude? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like I said, don't drink. Um, I mean, just the stuff you read, they drink lots of water, get lots of sleep, stay warm. If you get cold, that that's a bad thing. And that mm-hmm. tends to, speed it along and i'm a firm i'm a big believer in taking your diamox too like the first several times i did this trek i never took diamox i mean i um which is if people don't know is the 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 drug that helps you acclimatize Mm -hmm. um 
I never took it. And I was like, well, I always carried it with me. I was like, I'll take it with, I'll take it if I need it. Um, and you know, the first thing, you know, several times I, I didn't need it. I was fine. And I think a lot of people would be like that. They could acclimatize without it. And then once I finally started to get one trip, I finally got a little bit of altitude sickness around Namche actually. And I, then I took my Dynamox that I had with me and I felt so much better so quickly with a real minimum of side effects that now I just take because mm. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it makes your um, fingers and your toes tingle a little bit. Um, it makes you have to go to the bathroom a lot, but if you're drinking enough water, you probably have to go to the bathroom a lot anyway. Um, right. And it affects the taste of carbonated beverages. Well, you know, that's easy enough to not drink carbonated beverages. Um, and so I feel like that helps a lot. Um, but uh, other than Coke, cause I feel like a Coke could bring somebody back from the dead. You're talking about Coca-Cola, right? Coca-Cola. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, Coke. <laughs> I did, you know, that actually just, I, God, I just had this memory pop back in my head. Like that very first time I went to Nepal back a long time ago, I did the Annapurna circuit and I was going over the big pass there, the Thoranwa. And I remember I felt really woozy up at the top and I ate a Snickers bar and that's what like, you know, just cleared my, cleared my head. Oh yeah. Let me go on. I'm, I am a firm believer that a Snickers bar and a Coke on a bad hike day could quite literally revive you from the dead. And again, like like you were saying, that's the thing that makes you makes this trek feel so luxurious is like you can buy a Coke if you want. You know, you can buy a Snickers bar. Uh, you know, yeah, ooh, I mean, like Pringles in, all the time. You know, yeah, I definitely kept Pringles in my pack. That's for sure. So I think and we all- found like different kinds of Pringles. That we, had <laughs> so like, we don't have this in America. I think also like one of like going back to the altitude thing, like one, like everybody feels altitude to some extent or another. Like mm-hmm. I have trouble sleeping or headaches are common, you know? Um, and one of the other common things that happens to people all the time is they, they lose their appetite. Um, but you're like, you know, you're trekking every day. So you got to get those calories in. So you get like, God, I mean, I've had trips before where up higher, nothing sounds good. It's all just like, you know, live for like three days on like hot chocolate and Pringles or something. It's like like the worst diet in the world. It's like, it's such the, like the emphasis of probably what you ate to train for this track, but at that point, (laughs) calories in however you can. For sure. Like table sugar. I don't know. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) No, that's so true. At at, at some point it's just shoving food in your mouth because you know you have to, which is a horrible feeling, but. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I mean, that's the thing that's so nice about Kilimanjaro. Going back to that, is like the food is so good, right? Um, on the Nepal tracks, you you kind of tend to get tired of the food after a while, <laughs> you know. Like, I mean, if you, I never look at a yak cheese pizza again, <laughs> I'll be all right. <laughs> By the time you get back down to, to Kathmandu, you're really ready to like just dig into some, some real pizza. Um, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so we're in Tangboche in the monastery, and yeah. obviously in in Bark, we get to go, you know, visit the monastery and mm-hmm. you know go in that. So that's pretty nice. And that trip also the first. I, when, well, I guess when you're in Namche, it's the first time you actually get to see Everest. You hike up to a viewpoint to see it, yep. see the tip of it. Um, but um, that trek from Namche to Tangboche is where you you know, start seeing Everest. You see Ama de Blom, which is like you know. This beautiful awesome mountain that everybody always you know re- remembers um <laughs> i that was my uh 
my guide's favorite mountain. He used to say it's my favorite mountain. And the way he said it, I could never understand it. So I just started saying, ah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it cracked him up every time. But yeah, no, it's beautiful. That's, God, that's just like a pretty, pretty mountain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like you said, you go to you go up to Tengboche. You get to um, depending on what time of year you're there. If you're there in um, the trekking season, either in the spring or the fall, um, you almost always get to go into the monastery and watch like evening prayers, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody's like seen in the movies or whatever, um, like Tibetan monks, like doing that kind of throat singing, chanting thing. And that's, that's what you get to watch, which is like kind of really awesome and yeah. inspiring. Um, if you're there other times of the year, some the, the monastery is usually only people only live in it seasonally. Like I, I did this trek over Christmas and new year's once and we didn't get to do it there. But at that point it was so cold. We just want to stay in our, in our, um, right. lodge anyway. Um, yeah, and um, is what else? I mean, Tengmoche is just—it's a little tiny town. You, there's a little bakery up there. Um, get some good food, um, and you leave there. Um, and from there, the, the there's kind of different ways that people go, but you're usually trekking from Tengmoche to either Dingboche or Fariche or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Hiking through rhododendron forests, which are awesome, in the, especially if you're there in the spring, because you can see them bloom. Um, and oh, that's what that was. It was snowing, so but it was really pretty in the snow. You like you saw the like the blooms in the snow. No, no, no. I was saying it, it was just a bunch of trees oh, covered yeah. in snow. Yeah, but. when you're going down from Tingbuchi down to the down to the river, it's you go through a lot of uh, rhododendrons. Um, sort of awesome for like especially for like people like me from oregon because like there's a million rhododendrons in oregon also so it's kind of like you know, feel like you're home for a minute we'll host taste of home um, <laughs> yeah so then you're getting up to you're getting up a lot higher at that point you're getting up to like usually i think we go to dingboche from there and that's another little village it's about fourteen thousand feet or so um lots and lots of bakeries there so you get i mean you go back to your cake thing you get lots of good <laughs> pastries and things to eat there um you're at that point you're kind of in the shadow of um Lhotse and Nupse, which are the two mountains that are right next to Everest. So you'll have those two mountains in front of you and Ama de Blanc behind you. It's just like you know, Tawache off to one side too. Um and so you just like it's just you're you're kind of getting closer then to the foot of the glacier also. Mm-hmm. Um so that you're really getting in that um that alpine terrain where you're above the tree line. So you can just like, see forever. Um, uh, it might get a little snow at that point. Like, you know, if you're lucky, you get like a little snow in the afternoon. It's just like dust. And then by the next day, it kind of all blows off and you're fine. Um, there's not usually a lot of snow on the ground. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, occasionally we have treks where we get, get a little snow too um, that sticks around. Um from and it's really cool too when you see the Kumbu Glacier. I guess cool is not the word. It, to, you know, because of you know global warming, it doesn't. You know, it's definitely shrinking, but you can see where it's you know cut through without. I forget what part we were crossing to have lunch, but um, it's it definitely is gnarly once you get to Everest and you really get to see big chunks of ice and so like I had never experienced anything like that before. So it's 
pretty awe-inspiring to see the Kumbu Glacier, even as it is shrinking, it's still pretty awe-inspiring. And it's it's kind of weird too, because it's like one of those things you almost have to see, you almost have to like wait till you get up to Kalapatar, the big viewpoint at this towards mm-hmm. the top of the trek to like really like take in what you just walked on. Cause like when right. you're walking on it, it's mostly like this big pile of rocks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you're like walking on exposed ice or anything like that. Um, it's all covered in, in stones and rocks and dust and things like that. So it's just kind of your, in this weird like boulder field, I guess is the best way to right. describe it. And you're like winding through it and you're going up and down and those same like yaks are like in there too, you know, so mm-hmm. like, scramble off the trail to get out of the way of the yaks. Um, and some dude will come by riding a horse or something. Um, <laughs> um, and so you don't really realize what you're on until you see it from up above. You're like, Oh wow. I mean, that was like epic. And then like a lot of people, just as, as sort of a longer trip, will also take in um, Gokio, which is um, um, another sort of like side trail that goes off, and you'll know, they'll combine that with Everest, and you um, cross a glacier there too, and that one is just like even bigger, and it's mm. like there's just something about like be, getting like kind of it's this sort of moonscape, I guess, to be out on that. I mean, and once you get up high on the EBC also, it's really like that moonscape. Don't you think it's like, it's like everything's just gray, you know, there's yeah. not, there's no vegetation or if it is, it's like a little bit of scrub brush here and there. Um, and lots of gray boulders and like, you know, bright sun. And it's just, I don't know. It really feels like, I mean, you're in another world. Definitely. Definitely. It's, and the only way I described it too, is like, the mountains are so beautiful. They look fake. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like, you know, I look back at my pictures and like, this almost looks Photoshopped. Like they were just so, yeah, the gorgeous, the, everything around you just looks so beautiful. It looks fake. I like you, you, then you show people your photographs you take and they're like, Oh my God, did you take that? That's such a great photo. That's such a great picture. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I could have like literally just held my camera up and spun in a circle and hit the shuttered eight right. times i would have gotten eight masterpiece photos yeah it's not difficult to come back with really amazing <laughs> for sure all right so we where, where do you have us i think we're, where are we now yes yeah, so we're going from like dingbache up to let's say lobache i guess um so we're gonna go through a um town called dukla it's actually not really a town so much it's just a little couple little um places to eat um, like four four huts yeah and um climb up to the climber memorials which is sort of this awesome it's at the top of a hill it's where um you know when someone dies climbing the actual mountain um a lot of times their family or their friends will just put a memorial up to them in this like kind of field or um and that's right above the hospital too the yeah that's in fairy yeah 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 um, and it's, I mean, and there were, you know, a lot of pretty famous climbers that, you, you know, people have read about, like they've read books like into thin air, like, you know, Scott Fisher has a memorial up there. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's just sort of, I mean, it's like, sort of, I mean, it's like being in a cemetery, you know, it's like, I mean, no one's actually buried there. They're just memorials, but there's, it's like, it's sort of like, you know, it's just sort of sense of reverence that takes hold when you're up there, you know? Right. And you have this, like, you know, a, then 
of course, like everywhere else, they've got this amazing view behind it as well. So um, that's, yeah, it's just always like a really special place. And people usually kind of linger there for a half hour or so and just go around and look at all the different memorials. Um, And um, once you get up to that level, then the rest of that day is really easy. You're hiking maybe another hour from there to Lobachev. It's pretty much flat. Um, um, And then so then, yeah, then you – you end that day in Lobache, which is sort of the last real little village, I guess. I mean, it's almost, again, that's, you know, 90% of that is like lodges for trekkers to stay in also. And that's where everybody. Because next is what? Gorkshep? Yeah. So everyone Ooh. just crammed into Lobache. The town God forgot. <laughs> I would, oh God, I would, I would stay at Gorkshep anytime over Lobache though. I mean, that's just like. Oh really? Lots of people crammed into all these places and just like everyone's itching to go up higher. And um, like you were talking about how great the accommodations are in Namche and they really are. Um, the higher you get, like kind of the more Spartan everything gets like, even, oh, yeah. I mean, like, people shouldn't expect, I mean, you're not staying in. You know, right. This isn't like a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're no, but like at Korok Shep, it's so cold that like, uh, yeah. where you're going to the bathroom is frozen over and it's just maybe i'll just say for ladies it gets a little tricky by the time you get to gorak Shep because it's not an actual potty it's a hole in the ground so and it's and i think definitely not the lap of luxury <laughs> like at that point you're sort of grateful for how cold it is because at least it doesn't smell as bad that way yes <laughs> I know people, like, i've never done this but i think people i've heard of people who put like Vicks vapor rub or something on their upper lips so that they so help us I'm, funny funny you say that i was so worried going into the trek about burning yak poo i was like i bet this whole trek smells i was like and i'm not going to be able to handle it so i was like i'll bring Vicks and put it under my nose true truly i was never bothered <laughs> i mean honestly i got so excited when there was you know, yak poo. Cause I was like, Ooh, heat. Like, <laughs> you know, you get super excited. So, and it never smelled that bad for me. So I never had to use it, but I guess if you were super sensitive, yeah. Big vapor rub under the nose for sure. But you're right though. I mean, I think you get this sort of like Pavlovian response to like the smell, that smell, because like you get into these, you get in these lodges and like, you know, some of them are built better than others. Like a lot of the times the rooms are basically, I mean, it's all like plywood walls almost, you know, and definitely, I mean, nothing's heated for sure. And you, you know, all these places have like a common room um, where you eat your meals and you'll go in there, but, and there'll be like a big, like pot belly stove in the middle of it, but it doesn't get lit until the like late afternoon or early evening. And so you go in there and it's, you know, it's almost as cold inside as it is outside other than the fact yeah. that there's no wind, which is great. Right. And then like eventually someone will go and light that stove and you start hearing, you start, you smell the smoke and like, Oh God, it's going to get warm. And everyone like goes and like crowds or cheers around that, that stove. and heats. Yeah. I mean, I never thought I would be excited to be like, yeah, poo's coming. Yay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah it doesn't really smell bad though. I mean, it smells I mean, like burning grass, I guess, you know? Yeah, no, it didn't smell bad at all. All right, so you've gotten us to Gorok Shep, and now we're getting ready to yeah, go from do the deed. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so we went from Lubitsche to Gorok Shep, and that's like just on the glacier all day. So you're climbing up the, 
you climb up the moraine, which is the the edge of the glacier, onto it, and then you're just like kind of weaving your way through it until you get to Gorkshep, which is really the last outpost. Like you're go, you're like at seventeen thousand feet there, um, and there's nothing there but just a couple of rudimentary places to stay. Um, like you said, really cold. Um, that time that I did it over Christmas, I think I had a, I had a little thermometer in my backpack and I looked at it in the middle of the night in my room and it was like 15 degrees or something. <laughs> um, so Eric, we're trying to get people to go on. <laughs> that's, that's type two fun though. Right? It is so true. <laughs> um, Touche. Because you, you go home like, yeah, I was sleeping in 15 degrees. There's no big deal. Um, yeah, no, that's definitely your bar story for sure. <laughs> that's like the good thing is like, you know, if you've got a warm sleeping bag, which everyone should have, and then almost all these places will have blankets in the rooms as well. So then you just load these blankets on top of your sleeping bag. So you're usually you're- Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. And they'll bring you more. Like at one point, I think it was Gorkshep. I had like three of their blankets on top of mine. And I was like, this is actually pretty toasty. And most of those places, you can also pay a couple dollars to get a hot water bottle if you want to. So you can yep. put that in your sleeping bag or like, you know, or um, have an algae and you could have that filled with hot water um, down in the dining area and throw that in your sleeping bag if you want. Yep. That um, was my Kilimanjaro pro tip. So it's like, yeah, the only time it gets bad is when you have to get up to go to the bathroom. Right. Because <laughs> then, you know, you get that thing where you wake up, it's like two in the morning and you have to go. <laughs> And it's, it feels like you spend like four hours debating with yourself whether or not you should even get a <laughs> bag. It's probably only been four minutes, but. Um, You're like, is it worth it? Can I hold it? Yeah. Should I well, go? You, I mean, you gave a, a pro tip for the ladies. I mean, maybe this one applies to ladies as well. I don't, I don't want to know, but it definitely applies to the men. Um, bring an algae that is like clearly marked as your pee bottle and <laughs> roll out of bed, pee in an algae, close it back up. I get back to your sleeping bag so you don't have to walk down the hall to the bathroom. Well, get ladies, if right. you're listening, we have a thing called a shiwi. Ah. And it helps us to go potty like like boys go potty. <laughs> <laughs> the things you learn. Moving on. <laughs> um, so usually, so, so back to Gork Shot, usually, the way it usually works for, you usually will do Kalapatar um first and then um base camp the next day but you can do it either way it doesn't matter it just kind of depends on whether you want to go up there in the morning or the afternoon but let's mm-hmm. just for the sake of discussion let's say we're going to call next so call is um the viewpoint where you can actually see everest so like little known fact it's like when you're at everest base camp you can't actually see everest because you're too close to it um mm-hmm. um so if you really want to see everest you go up to call so it's this it's a uh, it's a big black rock, which is what I think that's what Kalpatar means in the poly, um, <laughs> right next to um, Gorak Shep, and you get up before dawn. I never actually really understood this part of it because um, they try to time it so you get to the top of Kalpatar at dawn, but the sun's rising over Everest, which is in front of you. So the sun's like in your face. So it's, it's not like you're getting like these great, beautiful pictures at that point because you get really good ones like right before the sun comes up but once it comes up it's just shining your face and like your, all your pictures are washed out anyway um it's better to go up there in the afternoon because then the sun's at your back um then you get really good photographs but um mm. so you but you go up there to get the top of dawn it's just like and that's just like you know 
it's cold. That's the that's the day, the part of the trek that's like summit day on Kilimanjaro, where you're just like it's a a slog for like whatever it's like a couple hours in the dark in the cold, just like sort of looking at the person's pack in front of you with with your head right. on. Um, but then the payoff up there, you're like right at the you're like kind of right at the foot of another like um, mountain there, Pumori. Um, looking across the glacier, you can see down the valley the way you hiked up. So you can see down back down past Alma de Blom and um, down that way. And then you can see Everest and you can see the, you can see base camp. And, um, and that's just like, that's the high point of the, of the, of the trek. I mean, definitely it's a high point elevation wise, but I think in, for a lot of people, that's sort of the emotional high point as well. Um, you climb back down and then you're going to go to um, base camp. Um, which from Gorek Shep is it's you know so four hour round trip maybe um, yeah. hiking on that glacier again. Um, not really gaining a whole lot of elevation. You're just kind of going up and down, picking your way through those rocks, and then you get to base camp, which is right there at next to um, the Kumbu Ice Fall, which everyone's like kind of heard and heard about and read about. Um, it's just that, you know, the tumbling field of ice, like it's coming. Super down. safe place, right? Like you could just build homes there. And Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> that's like, if, if you happen to trek in um, the spring trekking season, the climbers will be there. So they're all getting ready to do their summit pushes. And so you'll see a lot of, a lot of tents up there and you're not allowed to go in there with the climbers because they don't want to be around trekkers who might have you know colds and like give them something um but you at least get to see them which is kind of cool um and you know lots of helicopters are flying back and forth ferrying supplies and things like that um if you go supplies not people yeah yeah (laughs) if you go in the fall when the not climbing season you can walk wherever you want all over base camp which is kind of cool too um or if you go during COVID, like I did, there's nothing there. You can see. You can do whatever you want. weren't you? Literally. weren't you like you were like in one of those last those last? I was barely- the very last one. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Which I was bummed because I was like, to me, the whole point of true EBC, not just Everest and Nepal, is like getting the vibe of all the people you know that are about to go summit. Yeah, so it would have been cool to see them bustling about, but it was. There was nobody. They had already shut the mountain down. So it was, uh, it's like a ghost town. That's too bad because like on your way down, a lot of times, depending on like where you stay, like in Namche for sure, you'll, I mean, you can meet climbers who have just summited or like I've met some of the airports before. Yeah. Like I was definitely looking forward to that for sure. But it's, yeah, it's just cool to like, um, you know, soak in that vibe, I guess. Cause yeah. So I say, I was like, I want to feel their energy. I want to like, even if you don't, have the guts or can talk to them, you definitely would be able to feel it or hear it. Or I assumed it has, it's definitely its own like vibe and energy, but yeah. And you just, I, I know it's just like being it's a lot of COVID yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost done. Hopefully almost yeah. done. Yeah. Well, Nepal's open back up. So yeah. Yeah. So then from okay. there, you're motoring back down. I think actually in a lot of ways, like, some of those days come back down are harder than going up because well, I mean, definitely you're going downhill. Um, so that's just like harder on your knees and your joints anyway. And right. 
when you're on your way up, because you're acclimatizing, you can only you can only go up a certain amount every day to avoid altitude sickness. So you can only you know gain a couple thousand feet a day. Um, and so some of those days, and you know what, you're only hiking like. I mean, it's hard because you're you're climbing, but you're only hiking like maybe three or four miles or something like that. Mm-hmm. Down, you know, you're you're you know, you don't have to worry about that because the yeah, you're booking it because going down is the you know that's the best cure for altitude sickness. Um, so I mean, I think um, so. You, from after you do um, base camp or Kalpatar, whichever one is your last one um, up there, I mean, you a lot of people will you can get almost all the way, all the way back down to like Barache the hospital is people stay there a lot mm-hmm. and then from there you go um um i mean i've been in groups before where we've gone from there all the way down to namche in a day and that's just wow that is just a slog because <laughs> you're like you go back up you climb all the way up to tingboche you have lunch there and then you go all the way back down to the river from there and then all the way back up and then um, um all the way to namche and you're just like kind of beat at that point um, and then that's when you get to Namche and that's when you can really party like an, like an <laughs> Australian hiker on their way up <laughs> and like, um, party like an Aussie and those great bars. Um, like there are a couple of them in there that just like show nonstop, like climbing documentaries. All you just go in there and eat popcorn and drink beer or whatever and watch those, those movies, um, that's awesome. hang out, drink coffee out in the square and eat pastries and stuff. Um, then from there you can uh, from Namche you go all the way back down to Lukla, and then you're out. I mean, assuming like the worst thing though is like when you get down to Lukla and maybe it's foggy there. Like there are a couple times you know when you get stuck there for a day or two because they can't, no one can fly out. Um, at that point, you're just like dreaming about going back to Kathmandu and that hot shower, right? And like going to fire and ice for pizza or something like that. Um, and then you get stuck in, in um, Lukla for a couple of days and just like, Oh man, so it's like, I'm just over this. I want to get back out. Right. Um, yeah. That's so so what's your, I want to know if you can think of, if you have like one good EBC trekking story that stands out from your 10 plus times going. Um, one time I was with a couple of, it was like, it was this kind of a special trip anyway, because, um, I was going with a couple of my buddies, like my friend. I mean, a lot of times I usually all go over there and meet up with the group and like make friends on the trek, but I was going with my friends, which is cool. And, um, we met, I don't even remember what village we were in. Um, but we met Appa Sherpa who at the time had, um, held the record for the most summits of Everest. Wow. Um, I think he's just been passed a couple of years ago. Somebody passed him, but he's like summited like, you know, 20 some odd times. Um, and he lives in the States now in Utah, I think, but he always goes back to Nepal every year and he, um, and he visits his relatives and we just happened to be in this village when he was there in the, um, the tea house we were staying in the guy was like, yeah, Appa Sherpa's here. And, um, he arranged for us to meet him, which was just, I don't know, it was just like wow. really cool to meet this dude who's like, like super nice and super humble. And it's like, at that point had done something no one else in the world had ever done, you know? Um, that's pretty gnarly. So that really, that stood out for me just to like, I mean, I just think like the Sherpa people in general are just like the most amazing, cool people ever. Like just like, and there's badasses, you know? Um, Definitely. They, they live in that environment. And so they're just like literally like um, conditioned for just being machines in the mountains, you know? 
and mm-hmm. like super fierce and I mean, I mean, fierce in the best possible way, you know, like fiercely independent and proud and just like just really, really awesome people. Um, so just like getting to meet someone like that was just really, really cool. But that is pretty cool, but that's not a type two fun story. So you have to you have to end <laughs> uh, on your best type two fun story at EBC. I think my best type two fun story is um, I was coming down with a guy once and we were on a helicopter um, and we were coming down from up near base camp and um, we counted weather along the way. So the helicopter had to land um, and I have to this day, I have no idea where we were. Um, and it's sort of like I was talking about before, like we were so excited because we we're going to be back in cabin too. And we were just going to mm-hmm. take showers and like go to, go to bars and stuff. Um, and we stopped somewhere in between Lukla and cabin do. I have no idea where, and it so happened that it was, it was at this time of the year when I guess all the, um, all the students in Nepal were taking like some year end exam or something like that. And I guess the way it works there is you have to go back to your hometown to take the exam, which seems like sounds kind of like biblical in a way. Right. And, and so whatever this little village was, we were in none of whatever hotels that it had were all booked. Cause everybody who is like away at like boarding schools or whatever had come back to take these tests. Mm -hmm. Um, And so at first they like um and it was like it was this guy and me and a couple other people that were um in another helicopter and um we uh first we like ate dinner and like it was like i swear to god it was like in a convenience store but like they made like the best like dalbot ever which is like you know the national dish of nepal right Ate that and then because there was nowhere to stay we had to stay in um it was sort of an it was like an old folks home for like retired Gurkha soldiers. Like, you know, the <laughs> Nepali, like super fierce Nepali troops that like fought in the British army, you know? Um, nice. And um, wow. I mean, it was, I, I will say that it was the most rustic place I've ever stayed. <laughs> I mean, the, those bathrooms were um, scary enough that like everybody just went outside and peed against a wall in the alley because they didn't want to go in the bathrooms. Uh, and um, like, I really hope there was nothing in the mattress I was sleeping on. But, like, I was. <laughs> oh, you don't think about it. You can't think about it. <laughs> we were so exhausted anyway that it didn't really matter. And so uh, we just like spent the whole night just like laughing because um, we literally had no idea where we were. Um, and nobody in the world knew where we were. I don't think either. Um, and the next day they put us on um, a different helicopter and flew us back to Kathmandu. So like, that's, I guess that's my best type two fun story. And I, my favorite part about it is like I said, like I don't really even know where I was or what was going on. I was just like kind of following people. That is pretty cool. That uh, that's your bar story for sure. To me, like to make it to type two fun status, it has to be like the thing you tell over drinks. You're like, you'll never guess what I did one time. <laughs> I stayed the old Gurkha soldiers home. <laughs> and I don't remember seeing any other people in there. Like I don't, uh, I only knew that that's what it was. Cause there was a sign on the outside of it. That's awesome. Well, we need to figure out where you were. Yeah. I, you know, I, I could probably, that sign might have the town's name on it. If I took a picture, I took a picture of it or something. 
<laughs> All right. Well, as we sign off, uh, before we let everybody go, what is, is there any like last minute piece of advice you're going to send to anybody who's going to go do EBC? Um, don't, um, don't be afraid of Lucla. Don't be afraid of the altitude. If you've never been at altitude before. I mean, I think, you know, sometimes you talk about people ask like how the best way to train for this trek is. And mm-hmm. obviously the, I think the best way to train is to do the thing that you're going to be doing. So hiking up hills with wearing your, wearing your boots and wearing your, your backpack, um, especially if you're breaking them in. Um, but also I really like, um, I'm a big fan of spinning classes, like especially oh, arms yeah. where you were like, almost going hypoxic you know where like you're almost out of breath you're like spinning so hard because i think that like i was saying before like the altitude affects everybody mm-hmm. you know and especially if you're coming from a you know you live in florida or somewhere like that you've never been to any never even been to like colorado or somewhere like that um i think that people like experience these like totally normal effects of being in altitude and one of which is like you just can't catch your breath you know um, it takes a long time to like, if you, if you sprint 20 feet, you kind of have to sit there for like a, a good five minutes where you can breathe again. And the thing I really like about the spinning classes, I feel like it's like the closest thing for me to feeling like that, that sort of like out of breath feeling. And I think that that just like kind of gets you used to it a little bit, I think. So that's, that's I dig it. advice. People also ask, um, sorry, can I say one more? Yeah, absolutely. Was, people also ask like, what should you bring with you? And I know it's like, you know, the sexy answers are like, you have to have this backpack or this kind of trekking pole or whatever. And for me, like the most that's, useful. That's a sexy thing, answer. And again, well, you can see, you can see yeah, what I consider <laughs> sexy. Um, uh, but for me, like the most useful thing is trash compactor bags from the grocery store. Oh, okay. So they're like the big, they're like, like big, like kind of lawn and leaf bags, but they're like three times as thick. So they won't. Rip. Mm-hmm. And I put all my, I have, I use so many of those things on the track. Like if I open up my duffel, I've got like three big trash compactor bags in there. One of them has like all my stuff I'm going to need at night. Like I just got my sleeping bag and my sleeping clothes and my, um, my headlamp and stuff like that. And it's all secured. So it's waterproof, you know, and then another one might have my dirty clothes in it. Another one, has my clean clothes. Um, and then I also have my backpack, my, my day pack that I hike with, um, lined with one of those things. And so, I mean, they're, they're great because they keep everything dry. I've never had anything get wet on this trip because and sometimes I've been in some pretty heavy rain, especially I use them on Kilimanjaro also where it rains a lot. Um, And I think that, you know, something like that, just as this little easy purchase from the grocery store to me is way more useful than, you know, like I said, like what kind of trekking poles I have. Well, we heard it first. Uh, to be sexy, you have to have trash compactor bags. Yeah, in life, in general. <laughs> is that is that how you and your wife got together? She was like, "I have trash compactor bags." You were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> really, the trash compactor bags. You like things dirty. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for walking us through EBC, and uh, I appreciate all your fun stories. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for talking to me. This was fun, and it's making me want to go back really soon. 
All right. Well, I feel like I know a place where you could do that. Yeah, I do. I know. I know a good <laughs> company that like that does a good job of sending people over. For sure. Thanks so much. Remember, it doesn't have to be fun to be fun. Thank you again for joining us on the Type 2 Fun Podcast. We will see you again on the next adventure. But in the meantime, check us out at www.embarkexplorationco.com.